upon it a couple minutes ago, which is just that some of these individuals were people who uh, were really only elected based on a litmus test to stop the tide of diversity in the country, the browning of America. The what happened on July the 6th had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand. Sort of in like in the 1850s, we don't really have a functional two-party system at this hour. Uh, and the constitutional democracy as it has developed requires that. Uh, you can argue about whether that's ideal or not, but we've said it before, and this is we're have, we, we see it manifested minute by minute over the past week. The Republican Party, once the party of Lincoln, Eisenhower, Reagan, the Bushes, that party doesn't exist. It's, it's fundamentally broken, I believe, from a historical perspective, because they don't actually want to unite behind the pursuit of that more perfect union with the Declaration of Independence at the core and a willingness to lose graciously and keep fighting with politics as a mediation of differences. And they're just... It's not a functional force right now. And I don't say that as I'm not a Democrat. Uh, uh. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 7th of January, year of our Lord, 2023. Just got done with a great walk with a brand new, and I, I gotta get this straight. There we go. Brand new gift from my sister. Wow, I don't deserve this. This is... Badass. So if you watched Walk 1, Walk 2, and Walk 3, it'd be a separate video that'll go up on Rumble. And 3 is on a GoPro 9 Hero Black. My God in heaven, I've never had top-notch anything, ever. Well, my first mic from my sister was top-notch. Um, this isn't top-notch because that one died. But this GoPro, what a difference. I mean, I actually downloaded it to my phone and sent text videos and wow so two and three will be a little more interesting so we started today with uh mara gay the new york times racist um talking the president talking about july 6 i don't know what happened on that day and then meacham the speechwriter for the president uh once again uh hyperbole that is totally ridiculous but that's what they do today we're going to cover the border we're going to cover misinformation because it's under misinformation because there's so much misinformation going on the people that cry about misinformation are ignoring that they are the main factors of misinformation 
But I got some uglies up front. So first, let's go with Joy Reid. You know, the people that fought, and McCarthy is the speaker now as we speak on this day. Um, Man, they had a good time with this. So you people that played Fuck Fuck Goose, yeah, probably didn't help your party. I know you're understand. I understand the reasons, but you end up with a lot of this. Republicans love to talk about black people in two specific ways. The first way is to boost the identity politics while patting themselves on the back. And for the first time in history, there have been two black Americans placed into the nomination for Speaker of the House. Which, of course, clears the way for their favorite tactic of misusing the words of a civil rights icon. Cue the one MLK quote they know. We do not seek to judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. Ah, yes, we've reached the quote MLK portion of the program. And we see a lot more of that on MLK Day when Republicans who support voter suppression and book banning tweet about his legacy and that one disaggregated quote. We saw more cringy displays today when insurrection apologist Dan Bishop nominated Byron Donalds, who is a congressman doth protest too much. Never mind that Donalds supports voter suppression efforts, which disproportionately hurt black Americans. But since when do details matter? Any black guy will do, especially one who's very nice, big in stature and goes along with the program. The second thing Republicans tend to do is to play the match game, matching impressive black Democratic candidates with black conservatives, sort of a they've got one, so we've got one gambit. They propped up Republican birther Alan Keyes to face Barack Obama during the 2004 Senate election in Illinois. They let Donald Trump pick celebrity running back Herschel Walker to run against Senator Raphael Warnock in Georgia because, hey, football. By the way, has anybody heard from Herschel Walker since the election? He never called us back about that debate. And now the far right is nominating Byron Donalds to counter the nomination of Hakeem Jeffries, the other black speaker candidate. You know, the one who's been in leadership for years and has won all 212 votes in his caucus 10 times in a row, actually 11. But when talking to two black folks, well, things get even more awkward. And, ter- and if it wasn't them, then it's the morning Joe crowd. Here they show their venom um, over this. And McCarthy and DeSantis. And this is not violent rhetoric. Nobody goes out and shoots anybody for what the liberal media says. Just remember that. That's the rules. Or at least the rules they make up. I don't understand. I'm sorry to be Tom Hanks and big. I don't get it. I don't get it. Jen Psaki. What? I can't tell you how many times I've given people the advice throughout my life. Don't negotiate against yourself. Sit back. Wait. If they're not meeting you halfway, you sit there. And just just to be blunt, it's the old Republican in me, not not the snowflake triggered weak (laughs) variety of Republicans that appear to be roaming Capitol Hill today. I would sit there and I would rather die then continue negotiating against myself. Die politically. And I've told people that a million times. I would rather die politically than cave into you here, and I'll just stare you down. Kevin McCarthy, right now, he's negotiating against himself, 
Every yeah. night we hear of him giving away more power that's not only bad for him, it's bad for the Republican Correct. Congress, it's bad for the Republican Party, and it's bad for America when it's time to start passing budgets, when it's time to start increasing the debt ceiling, when it's time to start doing the really, really tough things. And as Willie just said, national security. He's not even negotiating with the four or five people that say they will never vote for him. He's giving away even more of the store, negotiating yep. against himself to only get halfway there. This right. is you know, and, and Willie, of course, historians will remember uh, over the past four years when the rest of the United States went the way of North Korea, but Ron DeSantis <laughs> went the way of 17. <laughs> what's he talking about? Freedom, the dustbin of his. Like, what's he talking? <laughs> like, what? What idiots? At, well, I won't ask what idiots actually believe that, but he's so in a little bubble. Like, like, this is the Republicans' problem. It's why they keep losing elections. They're in this little bubble. They're talking to each other. And for most Americans, when Ron DeSantis says, when the rest of the country consigned freedom to the dustpan of history, blah, blah, blah. You're like, <laughs> what's he talking? Is he talking about North Korea? Is he talking about Putin's Russia? Is he talking about Belarus? Oh, no, he's... He's talking about California and Texas and Georgia and Kentucky. I mean, how weird. It's just, again, it's just so bizarre what an echo chamber these people live in. And it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that they still haven't figured out this is why they keep losing. And before we get into the border, it's, you know, pretty obvious when CNN is starting to push back, and I know they're under this new, we're going to be less biased, but they are still biased. And it's the same network that a couple weeks ago was saying, how dare you say Mayorkas should be fired? Uh, Poppy Harlow sure was sounding like somebody on Fox on Mayorkas. Would you, Secretary qualify what is happening on the border right now as a crisis? You know, uh, we, um, we have seen the situation at the border uh, managed in an orderly way. We have seen it in extraordinarily challenging circumstances as well. You can rest assured, Poppy, that we're doing everything that we possibly can to build a system that provides humanitarian relief in a safe an orderly yeah. way while trying to persuade Congress to fix what is a broken system. I understand that. Um, but just what you're seeing, what you've seen the 20 times you've been there, the record number of migrants at the southern border in la last year it was nearly 2.4 million. If that's not a crisis, Secretary, what is? You know, you know, Poppy, uh, we have seen 2.4 million encounters uh, at our southern border, and it is reflective of the greatest level of displacement of people in the world since World War II. It is reflective of a migration challenge that is gripping the entire hemisphere. Which brings us into our beginning of our misinformation segment. Here you have Biden compare asylum seekers to, you know, Jews. Yeah, that, that makes sense. 
Uh, some of the things that I thought were pretty funny for play the montage. Biden administration, secure the southern border, create an app for migrants to schedule an appointment to illegally enter. This this is the shit they're doing. And I you know it it sounds a lot like Trump and I thought you know I'm not an expert on this shit. But I thought that was racist. I I just remember that being all sorts of racist. That's that's what we said. Um I, I don't get why all of a sudden it's not racist. I I guess because it's a Democrat. Um, I mean, there was one defector, uh, Menendez, pushed back on Biden and his craziness. Um, but other than that, they're, they're just fine. The media's fine with all this shit. They, they don't care. You know, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Here's a, a another tidbit. And remember, we've had 4 million, but Biden keeps knocking. Republicans are blocking his call to hire 100 more immigration judges. He doesn't note that at the present, there are about 500 judges and the case backlog is 2 million. 100 more, ju- more judges won't help anything. But in this montage you're about to hear, he literally blames Republicans. He blames Santa Claus. He bumbles, he stumbles, and all this is okay to the media. It's all good. It's not like people have heard me say it before. It's not like people are sitting around a table and somewhere in, in Central America say, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have. Let's give it to a coyote, a smuggler. They'll take us on a harrowing journey for thousands of miles to get to the United States. Then we're going to legally cross the border. They're going to drop us in the desert and we're facing we don't speak the language. Won't that be fun? For example, since August of last year, Custom and Border Patrol have seized more than 20 thousand pounds of deadly fentanyl that's enough to kill kill as many as a thousand people in this country twenty thousand pounds of fentanyl i'd like to the vice president i'd like to talk to you about uh, how that my administration is dealing with our situation in the southwest border secretary of homeland security marcus will detail these actions very shortly after i finish at homeland security but here's one significant step we're taking over the summer, we saw a huge spike in the number of Venezuelans traveling through, uh, through Mexico and attempting to enter the United States without going through our legal processes. There is, we responded by using uh, uh, and ensuring that there are two safe and lawful ways for someone leaving the country to come to America. That was one of the reasons you, uh, you were proposing. First, if they're seeking asylum, they can use an app on their cell phone called CBP1, O-N-E, CBP1, O-N-E. That's to spell it out, not the number one. To schedule an appointment at a port of entry and make their asylum claim there without crossing the border 
unlawfully and have a decision determined by an asylum officer, do they qualify? Second, in October, we and the failure to pass and fund this comprehensive plan has increased the challenges that we're seeing at our southwest border. No one knows this better than the vice president. I'm not being facetious. Well, President Harris led this effort, led this effort to make things better. Think about it. Even back in days when um, it's so easy to demagogue this issue. I mean, but when it comes to immigration, it seems like it's a better issue, better issue for them than trying to solve it. Look, we need me. We need more resources to secure the border. Yet again, extreme Republicans have said no. Many Republicans agree we should do something. But it's time to stop listening to their inflammatory talk. It's time to look at their record. As I've always done when I sit down, with, I'll sit down with anyone. Who, a number of our friends, the MAGA Republicans, talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, they don't even want me speaking English anymore. They want me speaking da-da-da. They're going to they're take over my community, my native, they, they, whoever they are at the time. Well, you know... That's what uh, a lot of folks went through when they got here, going all the way back to the 1800s. I, I, I don't know why he can always do this. And I don't know why the media never even covered this, that we had a, an officer shot. That didn't make the rules. Everybody's running articles. Biden seeks to solve border problem by making it easier to get into the United States. It doesn't seem like he's fixing anything. It just seems like he is going to continue to do it under the guise that, you know, it's all right. Bill McGowan, uh, per multiple federal sources, President Biden's visit to the border will be El Paso. Texas will be taking place as soon as Sunday. And so you understand they cleaned the streets yesterday, just like they always do. They clean the streets. It is just like Union Station. It is like the Soviet Union. It's fake. But that's how we do it. Um, Biden's admin announces will begin expelling Cuban, Nicaraguans, and Haitians who cross the U.S. illegally between ports of entry, but will also admit 30,000 pre-approved migrants per month in the U.S. for these countries via mass parole, allowing them to work for U.S. in two years. The Biden men did this with Venezuelan late last year and called it a major success because the number of Venezuelans turned themselves in and the border dropped significantly. However, the number of known getaways went up to 70,000. Analysis is new process, policy will almost certainly reduce recorded monthly border crossing numbers because these nationalities are crossing in massive numbers. However, migrants not eligible for parole will have no incentive to turn themselves in now and will invade as gotaways. He will not fix anything, but somehow in our media, that's okay. It's all okay because we have so many jobs and we need to replace them. That That's what it is. He's, you know, the, the media's thing is, has he worked on uh, this since day one? And everybody knows it's wrong. He's He hasn't worked on the border. His plan was to let everybody in. He said we need to surge the border. That's what he said. He said it over and over and over and over. And it was all fine with the media because, you know, kids in cages. That was... That was a Trump thing. That's that's not real. It's not it's not a real problem. We were we were just digging at Trump because Trump's bad. Biden good. 
But the level of misinformation off the border would be grounds enough for Brian Seltzer to piss his fucking pants. But he's not, somehow. And then you get into J6. And here's just a short montage. But this is who these people, these extraordinary Americans are. Heroic law enforcement officers. As Congressman Benny Thompson said, a man of immense character and honor himself eloquently said about these officers, he said, quote, you held the line that day and what was on the line was our democracy and history will remember your names. And history will remember your names. They'll remember your courage. They'll remember your bravery. Remember your extraordinary commitments to your fellow Americans. It's not hyperbole. That's a fact. That's a fact. And folks, history also going to remember your instincts to respond, to do something, as you did. And as we all watched, this is the irony of it all. All America watched it. Watched it on television and saw it repeated and repeated. In the past months, We've heard you testify to the nation about what happened that day, what you were thinking of at the time it was happening, what you're thinking now, the threats, the violence, the savageness of what happened, the trauma, all real. And it's not exaggeration to say America owes you, owes you all. I really mean this, a debt, a debt of gratitude. One we can never fully repay unless we live up to what you did. It's long overdue. Today is a ceremony to honor heroes of January 6th. We also recognize the late U.S. Capitol Police Officer Billy Evans. His family's with us today. Three months after January 6th, while They're still cordoning off the Capitol because threats by these sick insurrectionists continue to be propagated on the Internet. Again, all America saw what happened. What Officer Evans was killed defending the checkpoint it had to go through to get up to the Capitol because of these god-awful sick threats that continue to move forward. And the whole world saw it. It's just hard to believe. It's hard to believe it could happen here in America. It's these sort of forces, dangerous forces, that are still have so much sway in the Republican Party are going to be an issue for two years and beyond. I think it is, is, is very revealing that on the second anniversary of this insurrection, We're having this go down inside the Congress. 
And uh, two years ago, these people tried to overthrow an election. And two years later, the same people that supported them and in some cases incited them uh, are trying and clearly have held hostage the speakership and the Congress. We have no Congress. And uh, the irony is that Kevin McCarthy on that day two years ago that was screaming on a, in a phone to, to Donald Trump and then later went and kissed his ring. Uh, you reap what you sow. As we gather here in this chamber on this solemn day, the second anniversary of January 6th, when members of law enforcement were under siege, when there was an attempted coup, an insurrection that will live in infamy. For these last couple of days, having their political debates, and, you know, as much as you're correct about sort of the broader picture here, also, you know, even though this is a form of election denialism here uh, by some of these Republicans in the anti-McCarthy group, remember? In every form and fashion, they were using J6 with the speaker. That was the media. That was Biden himself. They, they lie, outright fucking lie. And I just want to play a little rebuttal. This is Ashley Babbitt's mom who was arrested, and they haven't said why she was arrested for protesting. You have Trump saying, go peacefully. Cops opening the door, showing people going in and out. And Trump's inauguration violence that was okay, nobody cared. You murdered her inside the Capitol, now you're going to arrest her? I did not murder her daughter. Let's go. Strength and you have to be strong. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated. Lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard.
window is unguarded. What happens next? See that? <laughs> Makes a bigger hole that people can jump through. And by the way, who is that guy? Take a good look. He's got black gear on, he's covering his face. Kinda looks a little bit like, uh, what's that group again? Antifa! But who knows, what happens after that? Do not go in there! As soon as he says, don't go in there, he's threatened. He's pushed away very, very aggressively. Look, who is that guy, by the way? And why is he wearing a wire? Hmm? He just took out a big chunk of the window and he's got a wire. I mean, that's the kind of thing that government people sometimes wear. I know it's commercially available, but I don't know. I'd like to know. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Although anytime anyone talks about a commission, it's always the Democrats, it's always Liz Cheney, it's always Adam Kinzinger, and they want to talk about Trump and his role in all of this. They want to go through that speech again where he specifically told everybody to march peacefully and patriotically. They don't want to talk about what you just saw, which is suspicious. They also don't want to talk about the little cop. I call it the little cop who let everybody in. Has that ever been explained? Who is that? And why are they waving them in like it's some sort of carnival? What about those people who were taking selfies with police officers? See that? Cheese! And these guys just stood on either side of the hallway as the folks came on in. This doesn't add up. Oh, and this week we found out that the FBI was in touch with those, some of them, who are marching on Pennsylvania Avenue and Constitution Avenue to the Capitol. They were getting updated by their informants in the crowd. What did the FBI do with that information? They certainly didn't enhance security at the Capitol. Something is very, very strange about all of this. And the questions that I'm asking, that we're wondering about, Liz Cheney and Nancy and Kinzinger, they don't want answers to those questions. They don't even want those questions asked. And I'll ask again, who the hell is this guy? Watch them move the Police had to push back the protesters so firefighters could get to the flames. Small fires had appeared all day. This upped the temperature, which, of course, was the point.
Just a touch there that, you know, nothing has been right about that since day one. We are still lying about so many key events for January 6th. We don't know about Babbitt. We don't. We don't know anything about Babbitt, and I, I don't know why we don't. Um, you'd think we would have actually answers, but we don't. I don't know what this is. I'm going to want to come back to that because that is important, but I don't know how it got out of fucking line. But Emotional moment for the parents of Officer Brian Sisnick who died defending the Capitol. No, he didn't. That's a lie. That's a gigantic lie. They know it's a lie, but they keep saying it. He even talked about the guy that was knifed by the liberal. We don't talk about all these people that are still in jail. That's not a conversation we have. It, it's He had 12 heroes at the Capitol, giving him a presidential... I thought they already got awards. How many awards are we going to give these guys? House Republican decided to adjourn until noon Friday so they'll be in the chamber on the anniversary of the insurrection attack in the Capitol by Trump supporters wanting to overthrow Biden's election. Do we not remember all the times they denied elections? Is that something we can't go back to? Capitol rioter called January 6th a day to celebrate runs for Congress. Media is just up in arms. Five takeaways when the the uh, speaker the or the Joint Chief said to Congress: One, D.C. National Guard leaders didn't have direct line to the Pentagon. Military officials still disagree over who authorized military response and when. Guard troops had strict orders not to share any equipment with security personnel. Trump didn't stop the military response to Capitol, but he didn't help either. Defense officials talked about court-martialing Lieutenant Flynn. Veterans urged to top House Republicans condemn political violence. And the veteran they're showing is the CNN contributor. That's the vet they're talking about. Back to this, which somehow got out of order. Three years ago at 2.44 p.m., I watched an unarmed woman, Ashley Babbitt, get shot and killed in front of me. The single-handedly changed my life forever, even though it's been three years. This is a journalist. It feels like it was just yesterday. January 6, 2021, started like any other plan to conduct. I've anticipated violence from left-wing groups due to the pattern I'd seen emerge at prior Trump rallies. Once it got dark. Around 12.20, I heard someone gathering a group to head to the Capitol. Trump was still speaking, so I found it odd. Later, I would find out it's Ray Epps. The ellipse is 1.6 miles away from the Capitol. It takes 30 to 33 minutes to walk. Trump began addressing the crowd at 11.58 and made his final remarks at 1.12. Capitol grounds were breached 19 minutes prior to Trump's speech concluding. They know this. That timeline, everybody knows it. But Trump caused it. That's why most of us were looking at the impeachment like it was bullshit, even though what Trump did was wrong. How does he cause it when he's still talking? 
I arrive at 12.50 within three minutes of the initial barrier, which had under seven officers standing, was overwhelmed. Second barrier went down within the same minute. This time it was Ray Epps who visibly spoke to Ryan Samsel and others the night before. For a while, all was calm. Then a concussion grenade was thrown deep into what was a peaceful crowd. This caused an eruption within the crowd. The crowd surged due to those in the back not understanding what was happening, pushing others forward consistently. For over an hour, a continuous barrage of concussion grenades, tear gas, pepper spray, and other crowd munitions were deployed on the crowd. This affected the thousands of people, most of whom had no idea what was going on, hadn't been violent at all. I was hit by multiple rubber munitions and maced into absolute oblivion, even while wearing visible press conditions. The police were 10 times more aggressive than I had ever seen on any riot covered on 2020. In 2020, for an over an hour, this went on during this barrage. Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips both suffered fatal heart attacks from the munitions being thrown. Munitions were not authorized to be used on the six. People were on fire and holes blown in them. There's videos that go with this. After an officer pushed Derek Vargo off of the inaugural stairs, breaking his legs, the officer taunted the crowd before below who were visibly upset. This caused a crowd to surge up the staircase and eventually arrive at the western doors. The police then stood back and watched as people broke windows with two-by-fours and riot shields. Those who broke the windows of the Capitol and the west side were initially placed on the FBI wanted list, then taken off because they were Antifa. Once inside the building, it was a weird scene. People wandering aimlessly, not really understanding why they were there. Almost any, everyone had their phones out or reporting, were recording Many were singing songs and chanting, Stop the Steal. I eventually followed a line of people to Rotunda. There were a small line of police present initially, and a quick look turned tear gas was deployed. Uh, I saw multiple. Eventually, I ended up outside the speaker's podium, the Cuban shaman. Obviously, there was not a case, but it was tired anyway. This calmed and crowd. At this point, there were three officers standing in front of the lobby. Officers moved. After a minute of nothing happening, I noticed Ashley Babbitt walking left, so I followed and I walked down the hallway behind her and turned left into a room where large GW portrait. There was this room seen on John Sullivan's stream where he broke the window. I turned around and walked straight out of the room. Once again, seeing Ashley Babbitt decided to follow her. She was on her phone and didn't seem to know where she was either. At this point, Ashley and I were walking side by side and we passed a comm sergeant at arms employee who was on his phone. I asked him, how was he doing? And he said, good. Ashley and I were the first to arrive at the doors in the speaker's hallway. I offered Officer Yeti water. Ashley talked to the officer quickly. Then the room began to fill up quickly. John Sullivan reached in front of the crowd by telling others he had a knife, Zachary Adams, erratic, something that is extremely unreported about those moments is the fact that Ashley Babbitt tried to physically stop Zachary Allman after the officer standing in front of the door shifted over. She physically grabbed him, pulled him, and landed a punch in an attempt to stop him. Ashley Babbitt did not break anything. She tried to stop those attackers through the barriers multiple times. To this day, I wish I had done more after she was shot. Anyone who has seen someone die in a violent manner understands the CERT team was entering the room, and those are the guys of the ARs. Michael Bird claims he shot because CERT had not arrived. They were present in the room or moving towards to de-escalate. They did not feel the need to shoot anyone or resort to violence. Michael Bird began trigger-happy and shot an unarmed woman posing no threat. What I witnessed on J6 and the government-sanctioned murder, the media immediately reported inaccurately in what happened and spun a false narrative about Babbitt. No real investigation was made in Bird. Instead, he was profited over 164000 for killing her. The committee refused to talk to me even though I offered testimony and video. 
Kinziger and others did not seriously investigate what took place. Instead, he donated to Michael Byrd's GoFundMe. My prayers are with those affected by the violence. And that will never be in testimony because it went against what they wanted. I mean, people were brave and did articles like this, the coup that never happened, because it was never a coup. This is now out. I mean, what else do they lie to us about? Seriously, think about it for a second. How much do they lie? We're still fighting Zuck Bucks because they're trying it again. A tweet from January 6, 2023. On January 6th, our democracy attacked. Two years later, we honor a few heroes, officers, and public servants alike responsible for safeguarding our democracy. Absolute coolidge. Today, 14 of them received a presidential citizen's citation. And then he got up there and he talked about Evans, who was killed by a black nationalist. Jake Tapper today, the anniversary of a day that threatened the end of American experiment in many ways. And no, it didn't, Jake Tapper. So we see the misinformation and how much they've done it. Here's proof by a dude named Ryan Pinsworth. As we head into the second anniversary of January 6th, I want to do a little recap of the Speaker of the House vote. The domestic terror squad will literally be holding Congress hostage as we honor and remember the brave men and women that day. Let that marinate. This is what their voters still think. Hey guys, Ryan here. And as we head into the second anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, I, in case you haven't been able to pay attention, follow along, or whatever, I wanted to update you on a few things that have been going on at the Capitol. What would you say if I told you that Lauren Boebert and some of the other Republicans, one of the first things that they did when they came in and took the house over was remove the metal detectors that lead into the house. Not just did it, but is proud of it. When I arrived in Congress two years ago, Nancy Pelosi put this hunk of garbage outside of the house chambers for members of Congress to go through. Today, they are being removed and we are turning Pelosi's house back into the people's house. Or instead of turning it back into the people's house, maybe making it a little easier for Insurrection 2.0, just saying. But I remember some people saying that me and my friends were crazy for saying that somebody was going to try to nominate Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House. I mean, nobody's that dumb, right? Gates. Donald John Trump. Did you catch the little love gaze between Marjorie? Yeah, you caught it. So since it's clearly not going to happen, it's just a political stunt on Matt Gates and the domestic terror squad's part, I just want to point out one thing, just in case you forgot. This is the presidential line of succession. You'll notice that after Vice President Kamala Harris would come the Speaker of the House. So will it happen? Probably not. Is it possible? No. Yes. Well, I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow on Who Wants to Be Speaker of the House. <laughs> it's funny but embarrassing at the same time. If that was a Trump voter, we'd have major 
problems. So I'm going to show a new player in the misinformation game. Before that, I want to play um, I want to play Jeffries because I think it's important to see how they get to propagandize everything. And and this is the most vicious bullshit, divisive bullshit I've ever heard. But he replaced Pelosi, so what do we expect? Well, we do extend our hand of partnership to you. And want to make clear that we extend and intend to try to find common ground whenever and wherever possible on behalf of the American people. Not as Democrats, not as Republicans, not as independents, but as Americans. But I also want to make clear that we will never compromise our principles. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry, the Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, quality of life issues over QAnon, Reason over racism, substance over slander, triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia, yes we can over you can't do it, and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. do the right thing by the American people. So let us not grow weary of doing good, for the American people will reap the benefit of the harvest if we do not give up. God bless you, God bless the House, and God bless the United States of America.
Democracy is in decline. Over half the world's population now lives under some form of illiberal rule. Disinformation about current events is thriving, as are versions of history that cover up authoritarian crimes. Today I'm launching Lucid in response to this situation. Lucid is a publication about abuses of power past and present around the world. Lucid cuts through the noise and provides clear analysis of the consequences of democratic erosion and the toll of secrecy and corruption in boardrooms, governments, and institutions. All right, so that was her on the back end, and I got the ruckus on the floor, too. I decided to play that. That's kind of bad. That's not a good look. But here she is, um, and it's from our buddy Will Carlisle, who gets zero responses. I, the guy, I feel bad for him. Nobody replies to his tweets. Yes, just as we've seen, uh, as been in March on Rome, was a badge of honor for Italian fascists that got them statues in the party. Participants of the J6 coup attempt help your career in the GOP now. So I tracked her down. Any real centrist would have left the party in 2017. Any moderates would have left after Charlottesville, two impeachment, criminal negligence about COVID, and a violent coup attempt that GOP still support as legitimate political discourse. This is a journalist. I'm keeping that picture for the rest of the day. What a nightmare. These people are out to destroy American democracy and the idea is to give them power over rules and much more just so McCarthy can realize his speaker dream. His credibility is gone. And such compromises just make him weaker. This one is a tell and and there's many tells with journalists, but this, almost every journalist that's supposed to be objective, they are going after DeSantis. One of his advisors evidently told him to try and look like a leader so he can boost his presidential aspirations and not be associated with the clown show in D.C. Then we have our last week, Zandrosky, running this thing. This week, a cheap fake tweet targeted an emergency ICU doctor made it all the way through the right wing and internet for a white supremacist troll for millions via Joe Rogan podcast. Twitter refused her. Please remove it. I spoke with the doctor and nobody... I couldn't even find the tweet, so she just made that shit up. And good old Will now, who's still, he's gotten two retweets on this. Um, two years ago today, I stood and watched in horror as thugs and vandals smashed windows of the Capitol, hunting for politicians to lynch. Yeah, they were Antifa, bud. Amongst the mob were members of extremist groups I've been tracking for years. What happened to those groups since then? Hate groups come and hate groups go, but the ideologues underpinning domestic extremist groups have struck around for decades. Experts say they haven't gone anywhere, and they're waiting to see what extremists looks like in 2023. He's just trying to find some kind of some kind of stuff. Get that good misinformation fluff, you know. It's it's what they all. They all do. In our rest of our stuff, I'll go through some of this without slides. Um, I'll put that down here. Intro woke. Cover that in a second. That's bullshit. That's bull. A lot of military, uh, the House Speaker impasse hurting national security. That was all over military media, which I just 
fucking laugh. Um, the Khomeini, um, Atola Khomeini was tweeting what the left was tweeting this week. Um, let's see. Spor- Soros now has spent $130 million for lefty groups. And I think that's it. Um, Hillary Clinton lands professorship at Columbia University. So you can be a you can be a election denier over there and you're fine. Uh, Rolling Stone fake drone suicide and we don't know what to think about it. That came out this week. ProPublica muzzled by DeSantis critical race theory professor cancel courses and modifies their teaching. A blue check. The hospital is not all right. I've never admitted so many patients waiting rooms who are waiting for ER room to hallway stretcher to open up. Those already in the ER waiting for hospital bed to open up and upstairs. And what is it? They're saying it's COVID. What's the truth, boys and girls? People can't see doctors, so they're going to the fucking emergency room to get medical treatment. Been to the emergency room more in the last couple weeks than... I can shake a, or this last year, then I can shake a stick at. And it, I ain't going there because I have COVID. I'm going there because I have sickness and I can't get seen. So, I figure we'll go through the media montage of the speaker, and I've cut it way down. But as I said a few seconds ago, these fucking Republicans don't realize that what they've done is just handed the media so much fucking ammo, I don't. I don't know how they're going to recover from it. it. It's it's just really, really bad. My own politics. The media jerk-off of the week. So hot. And so whoever wins the speakership... Will that person be speaker for a week, a month, uh, by August when you have to do the debt ceiling? And that means you have to be responsible. And responsible, I think, is the word here. Uh, respecting the system, the organization, the government. Uh, Dana, I think, put it as plainly as you can. They don't care. They don't care. Uh, especially when you have a small majority, you have to accept your responsibility as a member of the team. Pick your, pick, pick your, your business. Pick your sport. Imagine if a baseball team goes on the field. And after two pitches, the right fielder decides, I want to pitch. Uh, it, it can't work that way. Someone has to be in charge. Someone has to be in charge of any organization. That doesn't mean you always agree with your boss. You don't always agree with your manager. You don't always agree with your coach. Imagine those two doctors we just listened to uh, who treated and all the people on the field who cared for that a Buffalo Bills player. Imagine if somebody said, no, or, or no, I want to do the other job. It doesn't work that way. When you're on a team, you have to, yes, yes, you go to the boss's office and you say, I want this, I want this, I want this. But eventually somebody has to make a decision and you have to accept the responsibility of government. They don't want that responsibility. 
They don't care about that responsibility. They don't respect that responsibility. So 58 days after the American people, everybody thought, every historical marker said Republicans would win 20 seats, maybe 30 seats, maybe more. They won 10. They lost a seat in the Senate. Why? Because the American people said, we don't want crazy. We'll take center right. Back here in Washington, it was another day of humiliating defeats for Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. Hard right factions of the GOP are standing firm in voting against McCarthy as Speaker of the House on every ballot. CBS Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill. Three days, no member elect, having received the majority of the votes cast, and 10 votes later, a speaker has not been elected. No gavel for GOP leader Kevin McCarthy. We're just going to keep working until we solve it. With his reputation on the line, the California Republican worked the floor, engaged in intense conversations, and he made new concessions to win over party holdouts. That includes making it easier for any member to oust the speaker and giving his opponents two seats on the powerful rules committee, which vets legislation. I mean, it's just a list of stupid platitudes. Some of McCarthy's backers feel the party's being taken hostage by the demands of a few. That's why animosity is so high. Um, the thing about a hostage situation is usually there's demands, and then you let the hostage go. As negotiations took place behind closed doors, far-right members appeared unmoved. It is not happening. And as it's been said, we need to get to a point where we start evaluating what life after Kevin McCarthy looks like. Sure. And at least one dissenter, Florida's Matt Gates, cast his vote for the former president. With the House in gridlock, no work can get done with some constituent services on hold. Committee staffers' pay could be stopped after next week, and members like Wisconsin's Mike Gallagher are concerned about national security. I effectively don't have a clearance despite being a member of the Intel Committee, being a member of the Armed Services Committee, and I was supposed to have a classified briefing that I was unable to attend as a result. So there's a lot of important work that we can't do. McCarthy has over 200 Republican votes, but 20 hard-right holdouts are still blocking him from victory. This despite McCarthy overnight giving into new concessions the rebel Republicans demanded, including allowing only one member to call for a vote to... Congressman, as you've explained, this is a lot of blah-blah. These are people who have no interest mm -hmm. in governing or on issues. They're just grandstanding for themselves, and I've heard that from other Republican strategists. But here's what I don't understand. If Donald Trump is these people's demigod, and Donald Trump, Trump has endorsed McCarthy, what on earth are they doing? The thing I heard kick around was go to a runoff. Runoffs haven't been great for the Republicans lately. But, <laughs> but um, if, you, if you had the top two advance... Like rank order? Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> because you then go. you put those 20 on the spot. And so, I, anyway, I, I don't... It doesn't sound like they're close to a rules change. By the way, a friend of mine from Indiana passes along an email he just got. You want to know what this is all about for some of these guys? Just received a fundraising email from Representative Andy Biggs, fellow American. We blocked Kevin McCarthy from becoming there Speaker of go. the House. Right. I need your, can I count on your support? I mean, you, well, what, what you we say. keep asking, Wait, what do they, they want? Just well, I thought, they want. I thought they just don't they want, want to govern at all. Right. Right. And right. you know, look, there, this is something that's fundamentally wrong with our political system right now. The incentives are misaligned. You want to raise a lot of money, be outrageous. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the great fundraisers in the Republican Party. Now, she's on McCarthy's side here because he made certain uh, commitments to her. Uh, but she got there by being outrageous. Yeah, uh, outrage sells. I mean, craziness yeah. sells on both sides. That's not. No, I understand. I'm not saying I'm not. 118 Congress. What purpose does the gentleman from California rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Hakeem Jeffries of New York for Speaker of this House. Madam Clerk, I speak on behalf of the Democratic Caucus when I say that there is no victory in adjourning without doing the business of the people. <laughs> Madam Clerk, Madam Clerk, House Democrats are united behind a champion of expanding and protecting the right to vote. Since the beginning of 2021, 21 state legislatures have passed 42 restrictive voting laws. Mm. Hakeem has stood up against voter suppression and the new Jim Crow era every step of the way. As we, begin, as we begin a new Congress, we need a leader who believes in strengthening democracy, who understands that to cast a vote is a sacred responsibility that should be afforded to the many, not the privilege for the select few. Hakeem understands that in order for us to become a more perfect union, we can't deny the voices of individuals in a democratic process. Madam Clerk, Today, we affirm our support of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and nominate <laughs> Madam Clerk, Madam Clerk, and that's why I am directed by the Democratic Caucus to advance the name of Hakeem Jeffries from New York as Speaker. What purpose does the gentleman from North...
My prediction remains Kevin McCarthy is giving them the kitchen sink. He's given them a kidney, anything that he can. I don't see how he can pull it off. I just don't really? see how he can. There are five who are so intractable, mm -hmm. he's not going to move them. So it's going to get to a point, and this is where I would love to see Democrats and Republicans come together. Why not have some, Ro Khanna, a very progressive member of the left, has said he'd be willing to support someone like a Mike Gallagher, a Fred Upton, somebody who's a moderate Republican, if there's some agreements, they're actually going to move bills that help the yeah, American people Yeah, but this caucus is going to screw with them anyway. But if there's if they, enough Democratic yeah. votes, they yep. don't need the far right. This is the time where I feel like if Democrats were knocking down those McCarthy supporter doors and saying, you guys have the majority, you're going to win. You're going to have a Republican in here. Let's talk about who that is, because there's such a difference between an Adam Kinzinger and a Jim Jordan, a, you know, Liz Cheney and... Well, that's um, what they're so split about. But, but, if, but uh -huh. come in now before yeah. they have consensus, because if you could get Democrats to say, we will vote for your Republican, if it's someone we can agree on. They, they, I think you the know Democrats are no very one. united, and I don't think that the Democrats are, are going are gonna to do that. And but I don't the first think they should, vote, they should, they should first, allow no, their chaos vote, to reign, because it's a, something of their own making. That's political, That does not help the people. Right. So this is what I'm saying, is the first then vote is symbolic. Democrats come together, and you showed your united awesome. Now, feed on the opportunity to come in and have a say on who this person is. The Republicans should vote for Hakeem Jeffries. That's right. But they won't. But, but, He's a moderate. He's a moderate. The, the, mo the most important bills that are going to go through this Congress are going to need bipartisan support anyway, mm -hmm. so why not have the adults in the room be like, fine, like, we're going like to have Hakeem a moderate... Jeffries. But if, if Democrats had a, a majority and they were divided, I would say hold on to Hakeem Jeffries. Yeah. The problem is they can't win this chess game with the numbers they have, so it's like, take the lesser of evils. Your choice was Hakeem So it took 15 goes for him to get through. Um, Cory Bush of course, was trashing Donald, so I wanted to put up his reply. Uh, FWIW, nobody asked Cory Bush her opinion on the matter. Before you judge my agenda, let's have a debate over policies and the outcome. Until then, don't be a crab in a barrel, which I thought was fucking really nice. Kristoff, uh, because everybody wants to get on board and get their virtue signaling on Twitter. With the U.S. House of Representatives and chaos, it's time for sensible R's and D's to join forces and elect a respectable, moderate republic from outside the House to actually provide leadership. And William Cohn and Alton Frey suggested these people. Cohn and Frey suggested Larry Hogan, Fred Upton, and John Kasich. All never Trumpers, which they know won't work. Just regular old libs were having a blast with this. They they didn't give up their wokeness and saying radical machoism. Brian Seltzer, who's still trying to be relevant when he's not, his key thing was this is really great because we got to see um, this, and I'm not going to read it because I don't like giving him um, time, but his deal was we should see cameras all the time. It's always funny they do this when when it's... Republicans, you know, Republicans. Then there was a lot of this by the blue check douche nozzles. Um, people in California and New York pay 20% of federal taxes and have four senators. People in 21 states, all red, pay 15%. What's the old saying? Oh, yeah, taxation without representation. They, this was big. We're getting back to why does Wyoming now that uh, Cheney's gone? Why do they get a representative? Gingrich and Pelosi agree the GOP is rudderless. Rudderless, that was big for Politico. 
Um, and then the Jeffrey speech, who we listened to, and it's all biased. Aaron RuPaul, this is a brilliant. This is fire. This is fire. And then everything below it is this motherfucker is a piece of shit. What a partisan cocksucker. That's what everybody else took from it. But, of course, you know, Twitter stacked the lefties up top. So there's two sound bites I want to play before we go into a woke, and it's Tucker going after Crenshaw and this whole speaker thing. And I thought they're pretty interesting, so I will play them. be hard to become speaker of the house in this country very hard it's a big job it's one of those powerful jobs in the world it's not one of those positions you give to elderly men who've campaigned from their basement if you want to be the guy who's second in line from the presidency in america you got to work for it and kevin mccarthy certainly has worked for it this week whatever you think of him you get the feeling mccarthy would crawl naked through a sewer to get this gig and that's not necessarily an insult by the way it's what it takes obviously maybe it's what it should take So if you take a deep breath and you think about it for a second, nothing we have seen in Washington recently, the supposedly apocalyptic world-ending drama of politicians arguing with each other, none of it qualifies as especially unusual or even bad. This is what democracy looks like when you get up close. I want one thing, you want another thing, we schedule a vote to see who gets it, or in this case, 11 votes. But whatever, how is that a disaster? Well, it's not a disaster. It's how the system is supposed to work. But don't tell the moron community that. They're too overwrought to hear you. Watch. An epic fail and stunning humiliation for Kevin McCarthy, who took the knee for Donald Trump, then gave away the store to the cuckoo fringe of his party. You couldn't construct a narrative that combines the elements of extremism, election denialism, and incompetence more perfectly than the last 12 hours on the Republican side in the House. It's embarrassing. I do. And there is now there's a lot of hard feelings on 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 both sides. Again, you have 90 percent of the caucus, 90 percent of the caucus standing firmly behind Kevin McCarthy. They look Teddy. I mean, they're putting on a show. I, I, I'll call it political porn. He's decided instead to pull the pin on the gr- grenade and toss it among themselves. What an extraordinary moment of political failure by a political party. It's either personal against Kevin, or remember that this is the same brain trust that brought you uh, almost two years ago, January 6th. The way that they've gone about trying to achieve these demands has resulted in essentially this terrorist standoff between them and the overwhelming majority of people in their conference. Oh, they're so excitable. Are you following this? The failure to make it super easy and simple for Kevin McCarthy is extremism, declares Nicole Wallace. It's just embarrassing, says Ryan Zinke. It's pornography, says another. Poor old Charlie Sykes got so upset watching the proceedings that he compared a vote in Congress to an exploding hand grenade. There was smoke and fire and shrapnel and the shrieking of the dying calling out for their mothers because some people would not vote for Kevin McCarthy. That's what it was like in there, ladies and gentlemen. Some of us will never recover. (laughs) Then another one of the buffoons in the clip you just saw went further and called the whole thing terrorism which is the remorseless use of violence against the civilian population to affect a political goal. So Chip Roy is Osama bin Laden now. Hunt him down in his cave. Dan Crenshaw of Texas, filling the role recently vacated by his friend Adam Kinzinger, said virtually the same thing yesterday. Anyone who doesn't support Kevin McCarthy for speaker 
is a terrorist. And Crenshaw's voice seemed to crack with emotions. He said he meant it. So if people oppose you in an election, typically you try and win them over. You assuage their concerns. You promise them things. You wheel. You deal. You trade some horses. You massage their egos. You don't scream at them. And yet today, Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas, a surrogate for Kevin McCarthy, did. In fact, he did what neocons always do. He labeled anyone who doesn't like a terrorist. Watch. Those of us are saying, like, look, you pushed us into this corner, so now we're, now we're saying we won't vote for anyone but McCarthy. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. Oh, they're terrorists now. It's hard not to see the connection, because over the past few years, pretty much every part of the war on terror has been turned against the domestic political enemies of the neocons. So now they're just coming out and telling you what they told you about Iraq. Either you're with us or you're against us. You're on the side of light or darkness. You're good or evil. Dan Crenshaw went all the way, as neocons always do. He proceeded to go to CNN to call his political opponents enemies of the state. Looking for a little Soviet-style politics? Watch this. This handful of members is um, uh, very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. And that's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is um, in, in, in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for, for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening here. We will not vote for anyone else but McCarthy. These people think they're stubborn or more stubborn. They think they're not going to get the communities they want. Well, obviously they won't, but it's going to be so much worse than that. You know, they are enemies now. So you may like Kevin McCarthy or not. Both are allowed. But no matter how you feel, you have to acknowledge, if you're being honest, that people who don't like Kevin McCarthy have a reason for that. They have real concerns, real issues. But you'll notice that Dan Crenshaw didn't address any of those, none of them. Instead, he impugned their motives, their character, their intelligence, their moral standing. They're narcissists. In fact, and we're quoting, they are enemies now. Now, what you just saw, as Dan Crenshaw spoke, what you just saw is the snarling face of the donor class, revealed for all to see finally. The deep loathing of disobedient voters that may be their most passionate secret emotion. But they're not bothering to hide that emotion anymore. Now you know how they really feel. All right, we're going to head on into Woke now. Walk 2 is uploading on Rumble and Walk 3 is being produced. I went and had breakfast, oatmeal, yum, um, and got that put together. It took a little longer with the GoPro because it's high-quality shit. It's high-quality H2O. And uh, it definitely was a larger file size. So it's done. But we're going to go in. And our bumper for this is uh, Puberty Blockers, a new gender has been released. Very important shit. And we played last time a scientist. He was brought on from uh, 60 Minutes. And... You're going to be shocked. Uh, no, you're not. Because you're going to hear the exact same jive out of his mouth from 1970, boys and girls. 1970. So um, enjoy this craziness. 
which means I feel ties to certain genders, but um, it's really hard to describe, it's really hard to define. For me, it's really close to being gender fluid. I just don't personally feel like I have strong enough, um, consistent enough, like repeated enough dysphoria to call myself gender fluid. And in the end, I don't really care how people perceive me, hence gray gender, that's its definition. The thing is, sometimes I do feel dysphoria and sometimes it's intense. So essentially, I will never care what gender of pronouns, what gendered compliments, what gendered questions um, you have for me. Occasionally, I will be feeling a certain set of pronouns more. Pronouns do not equal gender, but for me personally, they do. Thank you for asking. Not allowing a child to use puberty blockers is simply just transphobic. It just is what it is. Uh, no. It's simply just protecting the child from believing a delusion and permanently harming their bodies. As everyone heads into the new year with new goals, aspirations, and plans ahead, it appears that some of the left have carried over their indoctrinating ways and are still focused on pushing the LGBTQ narrative to our kids. New year, same goals. As a refresher, I'm Tiran Rose with MRC TV and Culture. You're watching Woke of the Week, where I expose the most woke, progressive, insane, and crazy content from the weak leftist mob. If you have actual goals this year, please add the goal of taking time to pray for these, let's just say, special types of people and the kids that they have the power to manipulate. Not allowing a child to use puberty blockers is simply just transphobic. It just is what it is. There's no real reason not to. Puberty blockers just allows a child to kind of freeze, allows their look to freeze, to stay in place. It gives them more time. And that's where you're wrong. Puberty blockers do not just freeze a child's body changes, like the pause button on a remote. There are significant repercussions that evolve from puberty blockers, like lower bone density, impacting brain development, and possible vision loss, among a large, non-specific amount of other life-threatening issues. Even so, as worded by the St. Louis Children's Hospital, these detriments are outweighed by the mental health benefits of kids taking the blockers. AKA, who cares what happens to a kid's body as long as the child, who, mind you, probably doesn't even know how to microwave popcorn, feels happy. By not letting a child go on puberty blockers, somebody who is trans and will transition, by not letting them go on puberty blockers, you're essentially just making it harder for them to transition. No, you're protecting them from a very, very difficult life that would inevitably lead to long-term negative mental health effects and permanent damage to their beautiful, God-given body. Give your trans child the best opportunity at life as possible. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, we will give our children the best possibility at life as possible. And that starts with keeping them away from people like her and people like this so-called teacher. How are you making your classroom more inclusive and giving space for names, pronouns, all those things with your students? A super easy thing to do is a Google form or a piece of paper that has a place for them to say what pronouns they're going by, what name they would like to be used and where you can use it. Because as we all know, not all spaces are safe for our kids that are using different names and different pronouns. Yeah, you got that part right. Not all places are safe for our kids, like being around teachers like that. This is one easy thing you can do to make your space safe. And remember, do not share students' pronouns or names. One, it is against the law in most states in terms of privacy. And two, we want to respect students and their humanity. Oh, great. So help our kids change their gender and then hide it from their parents. You know what that sounds like? <clears throat> but for some, that's exactly where they find the joy of teaching. One of my th favorite things about uh, substitute teaching is uh, getting to see all the queer kids. And <laughs> sometimes they give me gifts. And today uh, I had a trans kid ask if I was trans and I said yes. And then they gave me this baby. <laughs> what does this mean? I don't know, but I love it. It's my new baby. And that's on the 2023 list of things we need to fix. Oh, and this chick. I keep getting um, crickets in my house. I don't know why I've never had a cricket problem before, but I, I looked it up and apparently it's, it's really bad luck to kick them out of your house. Like you're not supposed to kick them out of your house, but like, what am I supposed to do? Like, let you stay here? Now there's like 36 crickets running around because I did kick out one. And let me tell you, I had a really, really horrible week after that. And now they're just running around. And I'm like, please move. I just want to make a piece of toast and you're in my way. And I open a cabinet and it's just like, oh, hey, cricket that I can't kick out of my house. Can you please just leave? I don't want to kick you out. I just want to ask you nicely to leave. My house is just infested with crickets. And always let your conscience be your guide. While all the clips I showed... Now, uh, given the population explosion, let alone in this country, what can the government, what ought the government to do about this? Well, what it ought to do is this. The first thing, you, want, you don't want to put... I, I'm against government interference in our lives. You want to minimize that. So the very first thing the government should do is try and take the pressure off to reproduce. There's a lot of pressure in our society now to reproduce. If you're single, people try and push you into getting married. You know, uh, you, your wife, you have a, a, a bachelor over and your wife says, gee, shouldn't I have a nice girl over? The idea is, you know, nobody should escape. So there's pressure to get married. Young couples, if they don't have children, people say, gee, they must be sterile. They never say, gee, maybe they like uh, good wine and going to the theater and so on. They prefer that to scraping diapers. So there's pressure to have children. So the first thing that should happen is that the president ought to say, from now, here on out, no intelligent, patriotic American family uh, ought to have more than two children, preferably one, if you're starting a family now. Not, not any law, but just say, this is what responsible people do. He ought to make the FCC see to it that large families are always treated in a negative light on television wherever they appear. There ought to be a tremendous amount of television time devoted to spot commercials, the sort we've had against smoking. Uh, but the ones in the middle, say, in the middle of Beverly Hillbillies, you get a scene which shows Los Angeles in the smog, and it just says this city has a fatal disease. It's called overpopulation, and so long. Uh, now, that sort of campaign... 
I don't know what gray gender is. I think she's making it up. Oh, wait a minute. That's what they're doing with all of this stuff. And I, I want to do these back-to-back because this is good shit. More than one-third of TRICARE patients have limit, limited or no access to psychiatric study. And somehow uh, I missed the punchline. What the fuck happened? Ah, that fucking sucks. So much for the punchline. Fuck that up. We'll do it live. And this is coming from the Department of Veteran Affairs with Gingerbread Man talking about gender. The Department of Veterans Affairs uses a gender person to teach the biological sex as a spectrum. Also, internal training as employees play privilege bingo with items such as no criminal record, military experience, listed your tax dollars at work. Meanwhile, NASA says the term African-American is racist and warns employees that the phrase America is a melting pot is a microaggression. From the makers of Gingerbread Person, the sexuality tree. This fuck, these fucking fucks are everywhere, dude. But, you know, we got fucking people committing suicide left and fucking right. You know, why would that be a priority? I don't know. I mean, I don't understand. I really don't. Then we got Cori Bush. Three days into 2023, Missouri has chosen to uphold violence over mercy. Today, the state executed Amber McLaughlin, a trans woman who was sentenced to death by a judge after a jury could not unanimously agree to impose a sentence. Capital punishment must be abolished. He raped and murdered his ex-girlfriend after stalking and terrorizing her. He was convicted sex offender who raped a 14-year-old girl when he was 19. He was not a victim. Her name was Beverly, Beverly Guther. That's who was violently murdered. Ambler McLaughlin becomes first trans woman executed. And as you can see in almost every one of these cases that, you know, I don't, I don't care what case it is, um, when it is, let's do it this way. Not even trying. Not even trying. Not even trying. So then we move into the NPR. NPR has a lot. Oh, I, I forgot. Vice. America's about to execute an openly trans inmate for the first time, and they were just outraged. NPR gushes over non-binary author of explicit comic book memoir, Gender Queer. Why? And then we start getting into the meat and potatoes of our trans always. Drake Queen Story Hours for Children Grow Across the U.S. So does Backlash. This is from the Washington Times. But I want to show you this is RuPaul. And this is how it started. 
They're giving free tickets to children under eight. Tell me they're not actually purposely doing it. Some of these pictures are, I can't even, I won't even show them. I won't show them. And I got that from Gaze Against Groomer, who I'm going to follow from now on and put in our woke thing because they are finding all sorts of shit that scares the shit out of me. Meanwhile, while we're sexualizing our kids, world's longest drag queen story time. Canceled. Great news, world's largest drag queen story. Our attempt that that was to happen in St. Pete, Florida later this month has been canceled because of huge protests. Good for them. Then we see where there is none, they will bring some. Yeah. What the fuck? Nate Hokeman. A powerful, well-funded coalition is working to bring the transgender movement to red America, and it's winning. Even in deep red South Dakota, this is the story how one of the most conservative states, countries conquered by gender, has been governed by Republicans and our states, blah, 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 blah. But next week, just such an event will be hosted in Sioux Falls, the Midwest Gender Identity. God damn, I've been trying to bring over part of my walk for like an hour and it, it's such a big file it, it just didn't like it um gender identity summit is set to take place on january 13th coast by sanford health sioux fall based healthcare company and the transformation project a local transgender activist group both sanford and transformation products see the crossroads a variety of factors that have made cherry red south dakota the unlike the episode of a transgender uprising and wouldn't you know you never hear articles about these liberal groups? It's nothing we ever talk about. I remember when conservatives were like, pull yourself up your bootstraps. And now they are begging the government to give them vouchers so they don't have to pay for their kids' private school. Maybe they should make coffee at home and quit avocado toast. What does that even mean? I don't even know what it means. Uh, I don't know. Co-founder of Queer Indigenous Artists Collective in Wisconsin is unmasked as a white woman after claiming she was Native American and two spirits. Not surprised. And then the coup de gras, the money shot. DeSantis appoints Jim, uh, what's his name? Chris Rufo to be the board of trustees of New College of College in Florida. In Florida, you're the lunatic. As people, that's how it came across. DeSantis appoints people to overhaul equity ideology at New College of Florida. And I think it's great because our This Is America, which we're going to move up. Here's just identity politics. This is what you saw. This is all the left could come up with about the speaker fight. The millions of things they could have talked about. But all they came up with in the speaker fight was black, and that guy's not black enough, and black, 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 black. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they 
are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America in the 118th Congress. What purpose does the gentleman from California rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Hakeem Jeffries of New York for Speaker of this House. Madam Clerk, I speak on behalf of the Democratic Caucus when I say that there is no victory in adjourning without doing the business of the people. <laughs> Madam Clerk, Madam Clerk, House Democrats are united behind a champion of expanding and protecting the right to vote. Since the beginning of 2021, 21 state legislatures have passed 42 restrictive voting laws. Hakeem has stood up against voter suppression and the new Jim Crow era every step of the way. As we, begin, as we begin a new Congress, we need a leader who believes in strengthening democracy, who understands that to cast a vote is a sacred responsibility that should be afforded to the many, not the privilege for the select few. Hakeem understands that in order for us to become a more perfect union, we can't deny the voices of individuals in a democratic process. Madam Clerk, today we affirm our support of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and nominate <laughs> Madam Clerk, Madam Clerk, and that's why I am directed by the Democratic Caucus to advance the name of Hakeem Jeffries from New York as Speaker. For what purpose does the gentleman from North all right, and now we'll do three minutes of the third walk because it's actually done in HD. Enjoy. I'll be honest, they didn't like me. Um, had a lot of those moments that I'm sure African Americans face way more than I do. But like eating lunch and you go to the table and they make sure they go to a table where you can sit. That kind of shit was happening all the time. 
I would get all the shit details. Other guys wouldn't get the shit details. I had a sergeant named Fuller. And I ran into Fuller years later. And I outranked him, which was kind of nice. Because he was not very nice to me. But after making a couple of complaints, he lightens up. And he starts at least, you know, stop singling me out. Um, because we end up staying there forever. Um, key events. I, uh, we do the DMZ and go up and do live patrols. And that's the first time I actually, you know, have seen an enemy and walk along the border and set up ambushes and use live claymores and I learned so much because I'm so literal at my leadership. I just don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure of myself. So I don't make the right decisions all the time. And I do everything by the book. And sometimes the book's got to be tossed. And, you know, it's just a really good learning experience. But by the time we get done with the DMZ, because it's three months, this is November 1991. And everybody knows what's going on in 1991 November. We're, we're getting ready to invade Iraq, and I'm in Korea. So it's Thanksgiving Day, and I we were in training phase, but I had got my scheduled vasectomy. Yeah, I know, at 23. It's crazy. But the wife couldn't take birth control, so I went and got a vasectomy, which surprisingly is the hardest thing you can do at 23 i mean they don't really want to give you a vasectomy you have to fucking like go see psychologists and she has to go see a psychologist and you both got to see doctors and you and you got to do a lot of shit just to get a vasectomy and i'm recuperating and they're doing training phase so one of my team leaders running my squad and I'm back at base camp and it ends up being Thanksgiving day. I already have orders. I was going to the 101st Fort Campbell, right where I'm at right now. And I'm happy as shit because I always wanted to go to the 101st. And we go eat Thanksgiving dinner and we get done with Thanksgiving dinner and, and the TV that I had where I run about 500 meters of speaker wire to get a signal because everything was out of soul. It's kind of cheesy. Won't be for everybody, but for family, um, I think it's kind of cool. And like I said, it's going to chronicle the journey the wife and I took over 36 years. Eventually, I'll get there. Tomorrow's Ford Ord. Be a long, long talk. Learned a lot in Ford Ord. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share this with family and friends. And go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politics with K, Rumble, 482-467, and podcast at gmail.com to communicate with things you want on the show. This is another misinformation special because everything we talked about today from the border, J6, the speaker was embellished and disinfoed by our media and the left. And it's just shocking now that I'm going on this angle with this Ruth lady, how many disinfo experts they have out there. I think ever since Mary Poppins showed up, this is, this is their deal. I mean, it's, it, 
It's the way they've been able to, after January 6th, where they made up a lie, say everything that they don't agree with is misinformation. And they rotate. Those people are always pushing the misinformation. And as we've seen with Twitter, taking people down that won't buck the trend and just shut the fuck up. And then they rotate COVID, J6, say democracies in peril. Those are the three storylines. And they try to insert Trump as much as they can, but it doesn't work anymore because nobody gives a fuck. So now all you're hearing is J6, democracy, misinformation, COVID. The thing that disgusts me is that the right now finally owns a chamber and they gave away all their ammo. And I think we had so much nasty vitriol on this podcast and the last podcast because they took away their biggest stage, J6. Nobody was caring that we're still watching the speaker, but was enthralled with it. It was a it was a train wreck. You couldn't stop watching. I mean, a man that is so craven to be the speaker that he goes through 15 votes and where people say, go fuck yourself. So people were watching that and they lost the ability to replay tapes and talk about all the lies of how five officers died, all of them of natural causes after the event, one murdered by a leftist and the president of the United States once again gets to go up and lie and say it was J6. That's like the fifth time he's done it, but the media does it. They're still carrying Sisnik was clubbed with a fucking fire extinguisher. It's all a lie. It was a lie that I think they had prepared. I mean, the word insurrectionist came out on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, and CBS instantaneously. They knew this was going to happen. That's why they dropped security. That's why Nancy Pelosi had a camera crew. They knew it and they were going to use it because they needed it. They knew that the big boogeyman that they had elect got, got elected on was gone. What are you going to run on is evil. They tried the 160, but it just never worked because America remembers the over 160. Every Democrat, every media member said that Donald Trump was installed by Putin. And a lie made by Hillary Clinton, who now still lauded, still on the air, going to be a, a, a professor, is the inventor of election denial. Nobody can even touch her, not even Trump. To this day, she still says her election was stolen. So it's it's utter trash. They're just trash people. So um, I'm going to say a date, and you know I'm going to come in early. So uh, today's the 7th. Uh, we shoot for the 10th. It'll be our next podcast. Until then, y'all take care. Thanks for listening.